following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. If you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah. I'd love to talk about Nehemiah today. Obviously, I won't read all of Nehemiah, but just a few points about the life of Nehemiah. And then I got a few questions, because y'all usually do, that we'll turn to here in about 30 minutes for you to talk about and talk with at your tables. Wow. I was just in, um, I was just in Edmonton, Canada. And um, yeah, you're like, why were you there? <laughs> so, uh, we have a friend of ours who's a church planting catalyst in Canada, in Alberta. Um, he he uh, was meeting with some some guys, and he's like, "Where where do you have an opening that no one is willing to go?" And they're like, "Oh, Edmonton. No one wants to live there. It's like three months of good weather and nine months of cold and snow." And he's like, "I'll go there." And so he went and been there about a year and a half. They have nine new church starts. And I said, what area are you over? He's like, I'm over, I was just going to be over Edmonton and part of Calgary. He goes, when I got here, I'm actually over all of Alberta. I go, okay, that's pretty good size. He goes, but I'm actually over the Northwest Territories, which is right up above Alberta, which is, I'm also over the Yukon, which is between Alaska and the Northwest Territories. I go, how far drive is that? He goes, from Los Angeles to Atlanta. All right. You don't make that like regularly. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, actually, I can't even get to the parts of the Yukon until it like snows and ice is in real good. And they make ice roads so I can kind of travel uh, in that manner. I go, oh, just kind of listen to him and just the plight of lack of evangelical expansion and the depravity and just the lack of care for God. Obviously, Canada just had an election on Monday. Any Canadians in the house? Any any? None? Okay, good. Just making sure we can blast y'all then. And so, <laughs> and you think about Canada, it's like they just, you know, just had an election on Monday and uh, everybody there that's, um, they, didn't, they don't like the new elective uh, person that's going to become prime minister. It's going to go back to the left, in their opinion, and where they were trying to go and the good things are happening. And when we say go back to the left, there's two major things. Number one, you've got youth in Asia there. That means that at 39 weeks, that means like right before the baby's born, they can take the life. All those random things that we sometimes go, ah, which we have a huge epidemic in America in regards to all of that as well. And so just being there, I was meeting with, the, with this church planning catalyst and he's like, I said, what's going on? He goes, man, I don't know. I said, what do you need? I said, what do you need? I said, you know, we, we specialize in three things typically coming out of First Baptist. And he's been here before. He's been a part of the ministry here a few, a few years ago. And and um and I said, what do you need? I said, so we do, obviously, there's financial funding if there's some things and projects and situations that you need some support in. Secondly, I was like, we, we'll start a short-term mission team if there's something that, that will help you do what you do better. And that's, my, uh, that's kind of one of our, our hearts in the missions world because there's so many times churches want to go on mission and they'll call their missionary friend or their church planter and they'll say, hey, we're going to bring a mission trip. And the church planter's like, wait, they're one of my donors and they want to do a trip, so I have to host them. And in having to host them, I really have now have to put them to work, but I'm not sure what I want them to do. So we've kind of tried to break that at First Baptist going, we only come to the trip if, if there's a specific need and we can fulfill that and help you do what you do better. And you actually enjoy us being there, not 
us being in the way of the gospel movement. And so the third thing we do is if you need a specialized team, you need a couple people to come up and do a specific teaching or a training or leadership development or something. And, and so we, were, we, walked, we drove around, we prayed, we looked, we were talking, we were meeting with people, just showing us different things, trying to hear the heart of the Lord. And, and then we got to his house, and he rented a five-bedroom house, just he and his wife. He's got five daughters. They've all grown, and they're in college, and, and they're out of the house. And he rented the five-bedroom house to host mission teams and people to come in and be there. And so we're talking, and we're just praying. And, and um, I, we just kind of... I just was talking about prayer. I was just talking about what God's doing, talking about what God's doing around the world, talking about the power of God, talking about um, these different moments. And he said, you know, Gerald, he goes, I'm reading the New Testament. And I said, that's a good thing. (laughs) He goes, I was reading the book of Acts, and we have this small group that's about to birth into a church, and we just meet together, and we worship, and we open the Word, and we pray, and a few people have given their lives to Christ, and we baptize them. And and he goes, in this... this lady and her husband couldn't get pregnant. And so we just prayed that they'd be able to get pregnant. And they got pregnant. And then they went for their ultrasound. And it was like eight or nine weeks in. And then they, they, they were pregnant. And they, they didn't have a heartbeat. So they're like, oh, well, we prayed. And then this happens. just kind of like, oh, what are you talking about, Lord? And, and so um, they kind of like, well, let's give it a few extra days. See if the body will naturally go through like a, a miscarriage process. Or some, we, don't, we don't know what the body's going to do. So they kind of consoled him and they went home and, and the Lord went home. He went home and the Lord's like, you didn't even ask me. He's like, what? He's like, am I hearing voices in my house? <laughs> it wasn't like the audible voice of God, but he sensed the spirit of God was speaking to him. He's like, you didn't even ask me to do anything miraculous. But he had just been reading and and the book of Acts and parts of the New Testament about our role to pray for people and pray for healing. And he's like, I've, this, I, I, this is okay, Lord. I just want to be faithful. So he calls the couple back up that night. He called another people. He went over to their house. He's like, hey, I just need to apologize. I need to repent. We've been reading the scriptures and the scriptures tells us to do certain things and we're not doing them. And so I, I just want us to do what the Bible talks about. And so I want to pray for pray for your baby. I want to pray for healing. I want to, Jesus said for us to do this. And so I want to do that. And so they, he asked her if there's anything that she just needed to repent of. You see that it talked about in James and she, she didn't have anything to repent of. She'd been crying her eyes out anyway. Right. And probably already had that taken care of. And he, they anointed her with oil and they prayed and trusted God in that moment and left. They went back to the doctor. They're supposed to go back in a week. They go back in a week to kind of see what's going on with the baby and see if, like, hey, is there, you know, is it time to see if the baby's going to pass? What's going on? And well, obviously, the first thing they do is they just check the baby and see what's going on, and that baby has a full heartbeat. And he's like, I mean, they got the, they got the reports, like, no heartbeat. This baby's dead in the womb, and we have heartbeat. I said, so... Are you going to keep praying for people to be healed and their lives being changed? He said, I'm going to do everything God tells me to do. I said, amen. Because his faith in that moment was increased. There was an element of like, I want to do what God wants me to do. And here's the thing that I want to talk about this morning in light of Nehemiah's story. Is that most of us want the benefits of prayer, but most of us don't want to put in the work of prayer. Like, I'm guilty of that. Like, all of us want like, 
good things to happen to people. Like, none of us in here is like, curse my neighbor and I hope they all die unless they have a bad dog. Anyway, you know? <laughs> no, no, no one has that inherently in the sense of like, I just want all people to just get out of my life. Well, maybe there's a few of them too. But at some level, there's like, we want good to happen in our family. We want people to have good health. I mean, that's like what people say all the time. Found out they're pregnant. Yeah, we don't care if it's a boy or girl. We just want good health. So they want good health for their kids. They want a good jobs. They want like, they want normalcy. I mean, whatever normal is, right? Normal's like shaded extremely now. But at some level, if you hear people pray, they're praying for normalcy. Like, they would get along with their friends and their relationship with their brother or sister would be normal as adults and not weird like it was when they were kids. That they would have healthy relationships and boundaries. They're, they're just looking for normal. So I have two things to speak about that. And hopefully we'll see it drawn out of Nehemiah's life. The first would be just to get to normal, we need to pray and engage the voice of God and the heart of God. Normal just doesn't happen. Some people say, man, my life has just been great and like I've never prayed. And I'm like, you're living on someone else's grace. You're living on somebody has been praying for you. You're, you're cashing in on the chips of your grandmother praying for you whenever you were three and you're 50 and God is still having great favor and mercy. Because you know when you pray that prayer is released forever into eternity. We sometimes forget that. When we pray, it's not like it ends in three days. No, it's not like it's like, you know, the debit card ran out of money on it. It's not a prepaid card. I prayed and, oh, I got to, no, it just, it just, it just keeps building. Like the deposit of our prayers to the heavenly realm to the heart of God and the throne of God is a building and 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 a building. It just keeps building. It just keeps building. Our prayers, voice to God, are building, are building. I mean, the whole analogy we see in Revelation is like a bowl in heaven that gets filled up and then it gets poured out. It's like at the kids' water park, you know, they got that big, big bucket that fills up every five minutes or whatever it is at the water park and kids start standing around and kind of the anticipation of like, when's the water going to pour out and like kids get blasted whenever it dumps over, you know. It's like, hey, you might want to pick up your three-year-old because he's getting ready to get smoked by this water. I mean, you've seen it. I've seen him like, oh, I'm going to rescue this kid right now. And it's like, that's what happens when we pray is there's a building and, man, we just eventually with times just see God just pour it out. We see a building happen and it's poured out. It's just a, it's an outpouring of all of the prayers that we've sung. So one, for us to get to normal and to sustain normal, there's an element that's required for us to work at prayer. And I just want you to put that together, work at prayer. Most of us don't pray naturally. You don't find yourselves on your knees begging God naturally. It's a choice of turning your heart to the heart of God and letting Him do whatever He does. Listen, wait, engage, but it's a work at prayer. 
It's working our heart towards that place. That's just to get to normal. And then there's an element of abnormal. Abnormal is whenever you are praying for situations that people need to happen in their lives and you pray and then something amazing happens that causes their heart and their mind to be captured by the power of God, to be captured by the salvation of King Jesus. So most of us are just trying to like get like, you know, most of us are like, can I just get my bank account to normal? Like, can we just get outflow and inflow to normal? (laughs) It's a good day when you're like, sweet, the money coming in is way lower than the money going out. I was talking with my oil and gas friends yesterday. I'm like talking about the price of oil. And it's just like I act like I know what I'm talking about, you know. I'm not in the oil and gas market, but I, I love it. And I try to learn as much as I can to kind of at least be intelligent and have conversations. And I said, so at what point do you like break even? And at what point is there money on the ground to pick up? He was giving me his numbers. I'm like, all right, I won't let those be known to people or whatever. And you know, it's just an element of like, we all look for those places of like, there's more in our lives and just the goodness of God and the favor of God and the power of God and the peace of God than the stress, frustration, and attack, and misery. And I just commit to you, it's a healthy work at knowing the Word of God and a healthy work of putting our knees to the ground. Because all of us want, all of us want the benefits of prayer, but not everybody wants the work of prayer. I just want to let that set for a second. It's Nehemiah. His name means comforter. Comforted by Yahweh. His name typically gets equated to the connotation of the Holy Spirit in the, New, in the Old Testament. Because we know the word comforter is the very name of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He's our paraclete. He's our comforter. John 16 says, I will send one to comfort you. That's that's the Holy Spirit. So we see the connotation of the Holy Spirit in the very name of Nehemiah. And I just want to point out a couple points. I'm not going to read all of Nehemiah. I'm I'm, I'm not even going to do the, the, the completeness of the book of Nehemiah justice. Big picture is the walls have been broken down. Nehemiah gets word of that. He's the cup bearer. He's the king's cup bearer. And he hears about it, and he's brokenhearted. And he basically asks permission from the king. I want to go and rebuild, but I'm not just asking permission. I'm asking also for provision. That's those two things we could talk about, right? We're just not asking permission. We're asking for per- provision. And so he asks for these. He goes through the course of 52 days, the wall's rebuilt. There's a discouragement. There's attack. There's people trying to discredit his, his work. There's people attacking them physically. He's having to deal with all this. Is, is this the Lord? Is this evil? Who, what voice is this? He's discerning all of that. He does a national confession and in the, in the latter part of Nehemiah of confessing these amazing things. And we'll glance at that just in a moment. And then we see the wall being, there's no way the wall would get built in 52 days outside of the miraculous hand of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. So it's not like he went and like this was just going to happen without God. It would have taken a lot longer 
I mean, everybody in construction knows that the date they give is never the date that happens. <laughs> All right? It's just, you're a liar. It's going to be done by fall. Whatever. It's spring. We just lie to us. It's like baked in now. Literally, like, what's the date? Everybody knows the date, and they're tacking on three months. And they probably go to six. They're like, all right, whatever. You know, it's like every, it's like the, even a bathroom remodel. You're like, are you kidding me? It's not that hard. And it's like two extra days or weeks. Like, anyway. So Nehemiah, if you have your Bibles, just read with me here. Verse 4, chapter 1. When I heard these words, that's the words that the walls have been broken down. The gates had been burned. Devastation. I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days. Fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I could probably stop right there and do this entire talk and entire just week-long conversation with you. When I heard these words, I sat down. For you and I, we live at an, in an overdrive society. I mean, it's completely overdriven. I mean, it, it, it's on. Everything is at maximum speed. Everybody's looking how to, uh, how can I get a better downloading speed on my computer? How can I get my internet to run faster? How can this go quicker? How can this, how can we get this shipped faster? Blah, 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 blah. You know, you people that fly all the time are like, no, I don't want them. I want this airline. I want that. They know how to do this. You, whatever industry you're in, all of you know the loopholes to get things to go a little bit quicker. But what happens is that gets transported, teleported, transcommunicated into our relationships and into the news in which we engage. So once that enters into a relationship that we have with our friends, our family, our children, grandchildren, co-workers, those in in the inner circle of our lives, if we're not careful, we will hear things, but we won't take them in. We'll hear it, but we're busy to try to get the thing out the door or get this produced or I got to go this direction. Or, But Nehemiah here in verse 4 says, when I heard these things, I sat down. But what do most people say whenever they have bad news for you and you're on the telephone? Are you sitting down? I guess there's been some anomaly that if you're not, you're going to pass out, right? Or you're going to, you're going to fall over. You're not going to believe this. You're going to gasp. But that's the word we use. Are you sitting down? So for you and I, <laughs> he sat down and for, here it is. He says, I sat down and I wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting before the God and praying before the God of heaven. Now, we're going to look at his prayer here. But I tell people all the time, it's really not about what you say until you get into a position to start saying something. But I get asked all the time, Gerald, do you teach me to pray? I'm like, are you do you have a heart to? What do you mean? Of course I want to pray. I'm like, well, do, have you got to the place where you're like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to kneel here. 
I was a guy came into my office on Sunday, he and his bride, and we have a policy here that anybody that wants to get married at First Baptist, they need to have an initial interview with one of the guys on staff just for us to walk through. We're trying to do our due diligence and helping them have a healthy marriage from the, from the engagement stage. We're trying to do, back this thing up as far as we can to help people have a successful run. And so they're in my office and we're talking and, and they're, they're, they're like, tell me how y'all met, tell me your story. And, and, you know, they're telling me their story and I'm asking them, when did you give your life to Christ? And what does that look like? Is that something that you did a long time ago? And you're trying to, you're finally, you're rediscovering it now because she's beautiful. Or is this like a walk with God that you've had for a while? And, you know, just trying to get to know people. Right. And so I'm hearing their story and they're great. It was such a great time talking with them and hearing what was going on. Um, but then I just turned the corner like uh, they're in my office, right? They're on my couch and I'm just going to turn the corner. And he said, man, one of my friends told me you were going to ask me some of these questions. I'm like, well, I need to be ready. Here we go. I said, can you tell me? I said, y'all are engaged. You're a few months out of getting married. They're getting married in 2016. I said, um, do y'all do y'all pray together? Yeah. I mean, are y'all are y'all like, do you do you do you pray together? Have Do you ever do that? He's like. Kind of looking at her like, is she going to say? Am I going to say? And his answer was, meh. Like, yeah, like, sometimes. Like, once a week. Like, all right. I was like, have you all ever gotten on your knees together as an engaged couple? These are not 18-year-olds, by the way. They're like adults. They know what they're doing. I was like, have you all ever gotten on your knees together and just prayed? He's like, we've never done that. I was like, all right. I was like, I'm going to give you a couple of things here. Number one, y'all are going to start praying every day together. On the f- Y'all see each other every day? They're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, so you kiss her every day, right? Yeah. I'm like, you have a meal together every day? Yeah. I was like, do you not think that you're looking for a job and you're trying to discern the future that, that you should maybe like, let's focus in on a couple of these things at some point in our conversation, our relationship. Like, yeah, it's a good idea. I'm like, and so one of the things I want to encourage you to do is that once a week, y'all would get on your knees. That you would like, we're going to get on our knees and we're going to ask God to protect us in our purity. We're going to ask God to continue to give us passion for his name. We're going to ask God to make us aware of the people around us. You know, just basic things, right? This is normal Christianity. He's like, I'll do that. I was like, hey, can you tell me like how often you read the word of God? Like you just open the Bible and you're just like, hearing the heart of God, let God speak to you, and you just hear what, how God, this is, this, is a, this is a testimony of all that God has done, and it's only the beginning of all that He wants to do in our lives. Eh. It's kind of eh, yeah. I'm like, all right, bro, it's like, I just want to encourage you, man. I'm like, who's doing your marital counseling? He's like, all right, these people need to, I'm like, all right, they're going to get you even worse. So I was good with it, right? They're just going to, I'm like, but this is his, their heart wasn't engaged with the things that they needed to be engaged in, but they were wanting the fruit without the work. And so for you and I, can we just like pump the brakes when it comes to the first part of verse four? When I heard these words, you're going to hear words. The thing for you and I is to have an ear to heaven. You're going to hear words today. Someone's going to get, someone's, we're going to get a report. Somebody in here is going to get a report of something that you just wish you wouldn't have heard today. It's guaranteed to probably happen. I'm not trying to for profit that. I'm not trying to say, oh gosh, not me. But there's probably going to be something. Something in a business deal, a work deal, or a family deal that you're going to be like, ah. And there's going to be a split second opportunity for you to go, I got to go to this meeting. 
Or you're like, I'm going to sit down. The last thing that needs to happen in American evangelicalism is for the men of God to keep walking by the problem. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. That is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. He's like, I got to go down here. I got to go here. There's a guy I need to go to. It's like he just had an ear to heaven and he goes down there and he sees this guy. And he, what are you reading? And he's reading right in Isaiah about the Jesus. And you know who you're reading about. And he gets a Christian and gets baptized. And This is the heart of how if you want to be an intercessor, you just need to listen to every person around you. And you just need to learn to say, I'm going to relax. Because there's nothing more scary than like someone getting bad news and you freaking out about it. (gasps) Oh my gosh! You know, it's like, no, the best thing you need is someone who carries the peace of Christ. You just peace in there. You're like, oh, are you serious? And just sit down. Kevin and Marlon that, that Eric was talking about in the prayer about the couple with the stuff that he's on staff here in the missions office too and... And, and uh, on Friday afternoon, I'm at home. We live in the same complex next door here to the church. And, and so I'm at home. I got the kids and my wife's out of town. And I knew they were going to check out that they're going to get a baby and girl. And he texts me. He's like, are you home? I'm like, yeah, I'm home. I'm, I'm Kay's not home. I'm like, I'm home. He's like, all right, we're coming over. I'm like, yeah, this is so, come on. Like, I think I'm on the front end of this bad boy. You know, and like I kind of opened the door like thinking like surprise or thinking like, sign or balloons or like whatever like colors like he's got a pink and she's got a blue and i get a guess you know like the reveal parties for gerald only you know i'm like this is awesome and i kind of open the door and i see huge tears i'm like i was we go we sit down and i just sat there with them and then we they're talking and we enter into a time of prayer. And I mean, they're spiking at that moment. Their emotions are just through the roof. And every lie that's ever been thought of in the world is coming right at them. And I'm just like loving them and letting God do his work. You never want to be one of Job's friends in these moments where you talk too much. You just need to sit there. We've all been guilty of being Job's friends. Just shut up, right? <laughs> just let God do his work. You're not God. You're just a peaceful presence of God. And I just loved them and held them and hugged them and prayed with them and just asked God for a miracle. And then Saturday morning, I got up again and it was on my heart. So I texted them. I said, are y'all home? It was kind of a delayed response. So I'm like, I bet she's trying to clean the house before I come over there. I'm like, enough of that business. So I just walk over there, her car, his car. I'm like, hey, she's like, hey. I'm like, you've been, you delayed in responding because you like wanted to pick up your shoes or something, right? I gave him a hard time. She's like, yes. I'm like, hey, I don't care. I'm going to be here enough through these next three months, a few months. It's like, I don't care to see your shoes or not. I was like, you've got the candle. It's nice of you. I was giving her a hard time. But for you and I, you're going to hear words today. And you need to just stop. And that person that's in front of you could be the most amazing employee in your company or could be the least most important person in your office building. But for some reason, you're going to hear a word, you're going to hear news, you're going to say, and you're like, I'm sitting down. Now, it's not just the physically sitting down, that's of good value, but you're like, I'm going to sit down in my heart. 
You may be driving across town. You may be getting on an airplane. You may be doing whatever you're doing. But you're like, I'm going to have so much peace in this moment. And I'm going to release that goodness and that heart to other people. And so here it is. I want to read this. And then we're going to get to some questions. I want to honor our time. Here's his prayer. Yahweh, the God of heaven. The great, awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. Beautiful introductory heart to the Lord. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. We could talk about that, about his like overwhelming, I'm going to give my heart fully day and night. And then he starts this. So you can see the model of prayer broken down. Adoration on this front end. Acknowledging God in this, this front piece. And then he goes into confession. I confess the sins we've committed against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted corruptly towards you and have not kept the commands and statutes and ordinance you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses, that you, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles are banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I choose to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeem them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success. You see it. He goes into adoration. Then he goes into confession. Then he goes into asking. All right. He's just asking, please, please, God. He's asking, please give, give, let your ear be here and give your servant success today and have compassion on him. In the presence of this. I mean, he's just, that's the, that's the model prayer. It's right there. We also see the model prayer in other places. Obviously, Jesus has the model prayer. We see it. We know that there's an element of just worshiping God. And whatever happens today, worship God. This is what he's doing. You may be in front of a tragedy and you're like, we're going to worship God today. We're going to worship God the things that I told uh, Kevin and Marlon this past week, I said, let me tell you what we tell other people. We, tell, we teach this stuff, right? And sometimes it's terrible whenever the teaching comes to you. I said, let's just remind everybody four things. I said, let me tell you them. And they knew where I was going. They just grinned. I said, number one, God's a good father. He's a good, good father. He's good. You need to remember that he's a good father. I said, we don't ask as orphans. We ask as royalty. We're co-heirs and children of Christ. But secondly, Jesus paid for everything. There's not one thing in all the world that he didn't pay for. His death on the cross, what we know to be in Isaiah, what we know to be in Romans, what we know to be in all of the scriptures, that he paid for everything. There's not one thing outside of, your, outside of God's realm that he didn't pay for. And I told them that. And they're, you're thinking, I don't know if Jesus paid for CDH. I'm just not sure if it's in. No, it is. He paid for such a, things like this. CDH is the thing that the, the girl has, congenital diaphragmic hernia. I said, third thing, that there's nothing impossible for God. Can I just encourage you as men of God and who are probably already in extreme political engagement at the political level, governmental political action, Let not your faith be hijacked in this process. 
Just, just don't let it be. Just don't let it be. I just tell people that nothing is impossible with God. It's nothing is impossible for him. That's just who he is. That's just the nature of God. And there's nothing outside of your realm of influence that God cannot work a miracle in. And the fourth thing I told them on that couch, and I'll tell you today, is that you're special in the kingdom of God. Isn't it great that our God is a personal God who has an intimate relationship with his children? And that you have a special calling and a special place in this time in history. If you're not sure that God has placed you, go read 1 Corinthians 12. It says it three times in verse 18 and verse 24 and verse 26 that you've been placed at this, you've been placed in the body of Christ. You've been placed. At this time in history, you've been placed. And so for you and I, in closing, we're going to move to a time with some questions. I just want us to think about the heart of Nehemiah. He rebuilt the walls. He had the materials. You can just walk through it and see the progression in this gate and that gate and the social injustice that's happening and the attempts to, to stop the wall being completed and all of the all of it. You see him going after the genealogy of like who's even supposed to live here. You'll you'll see his heart for all of that. And you and you I mean chapter six is just an amazing chapter about this total attempt of discouragement. I mean, you, I mean, you want to, you feel discouraged, just read that and going, that's not them, that's not of God. And you're beginning to, when you're walking in prayer, you're walking in the Word, your ability to discern right and wrong is at a 10. The problem is, is we, we get outside of our prayer engagement with God and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. We get outside of our devotion to the Scriptures and we start moving and making decisions. And then all of a sudden, our ability to discern His voice gets dulled and once it gets dulled we come back to him and obviously he's faithful and he's merciful and he will re-engage us and we'll become sharp again and so you just begin to journey if you don't have a place to read your bible reading just go to nehemiah and just say i want to read this all over again i want to have that heart i want to be a heart that brings comfort to a people a heart that brings comfort and so for you and I, I just want us to discuss around our table. We've got a couple of questions we'll put up on the board, up on the thing. But I just want you to ask, ask the question today is, are you satisfied with your prayer life? And it's okay if you're like, man, I really am. It's pretty good. I kind of got some things going on. I'm kind of doing this and that and the other. But I think it would just be good to go, I'm not. Or I am. Now, all of us are going to say both. I know you're going to give the both answer. Okay, I just know it. But I think it would just be good to go, all right, I'm satisfied in this area. But I'm not satisfied in this area. I think it would just be good for you to, for you to, to ask that question, to kind of center in on that. And then the next one is, is, do you have confidence in your prayers? Do you have confidence? I really believe that Nehemiah had an extreme amount of confidence. That we want to be a people that we pray and ask and believe and let's leave the results to God. We're not naming and claiming it. We're not trying to like... God is not your genie in a bottle. But you know what? Some of you might want to just start praying like he is. I promise you would change your life. That's tongue in cheek. If you thought he really was, I mean, someone's like, I don't even pray. Man, start praying. God, I promise you, will take your words and he translates them anyway. That's why Jesus is at the right hand of God. He intercepts all of our prayers. He decorates them and he gives them to Jesus. He gives them to the Father. That's why Romans 8 says you don't even know what to pray. That's why groanings come out. You're like, ah, oh, that's a prayer to God. I mean, literally, you're like, when you say, I don't know, you're like, yeah, man, that just all of a sudden got this grammatically beautiful, spacious, perfectly punctuated articulation to the father's ear. 
But I just want you to ask that. And then the third one is, is that can we just today be the person, like when someone says, hey, will you pray about this? Don't say, yeah, I'll do that and walk away. You're like, I'll pray right now. What? You'll freak somebody out. Who cares? HR, it doesn't matter. It was his fault. He asked me. Whoever, you know, whatever risk you need to take. I'm just trying to, you know, the question is to that. If anybody says you shouldn't do it, you're like, hang on. I want you to know I'm trying to be faithful to my God. And if, an, if a mom came in here or a Muslim came in here and they wanted to be faithful, you would not tell them to be unfaithful. So don't tell me to be unfaithful to my God. I'm just trying to be faithful. I'm not trying to pos- proselytize here. I'm just trying to be faithful to the God that I serve. Aren't you being faithful to yours? And then turn it right on them. You got it every time. But I just want you to do that in that moment. I just want you, I'm going to pray. Sometimes you lay a hand. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you might hug somebody. Sometimes you don't. But just pray and ask God to do a miracle in that. So take a few minutes around the table. Just discuss these. We're going to be diligent to get out of here in about 15, 18, 20 minutes. And obviously, as always, thank you for being here today. Let me pray as you kind of enter into that. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for their heart. And Lord, we want to be people who know how to receive. We want to hear. We want to have those ears to hear today. I pray you'd give us secrets even about other people's lives. That we might just have the, the heart to go, can I, can I ask you a question today? And it might be the very thing that they need to hear. That we would hear from heaven. We wouldn't only hear out loud problems people have. We might hear things that they're not even saying to engage in conversation today. And again, that we would respond appropriately. God, give us the faith and help us truly have the heart of Nehemiah, the comforter, the the one who represented the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. God, we love you. Give us strength in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the garden room of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. Have a great day.